Welcome to the Money Hour with host Tina Mitchell and co-host Keelan Harvey. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420 and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075 are licensed loan originators with Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, NMLS 134871. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited. Now, in the studio, local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Friday, December 18th virtual show because of COVID-19. Our show is temporarily moved virtually. You can listen to our show on podcast or catch us on air on Saturday at 3 p.m. with a rebroadcast on Sunday at 8 a.m. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it can affect your money. If you are listening to our show at a different time, you are listening to a rebroadcast. We are here to connect you with the guests that we have on the show or answer any questions that you may have. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And our lineup for today's show, we have Susie Berger of Gav for health. Are we living too short and dying too long? Also, we have Peter Smith of Apex Law Group. You are not your business. Corporate law for small business owners. And our last guest in studio today, Karen Anderson of Silver Age Housing and Care Referrals. Everyone wants to stay in their home and age in place, but maybe you should plan for what if. Great information and great guests in studio. As always, for additional questions or connecting with our guests, please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And today we'll start out our show each week as we do, or we'll start out our show with Money Chat as we do each week. Money. Money. So, Keelan, what do you have for our money chat today? Um, today, I know we kind of crossed toes last time. That was crazy. We've never done that yet. So I'm going off the scales a little bit. I'm going to go about, I'm going to talk about APR uh, or annual percentage rate, which is the annual rate charge for borrowing or earn through an investment. Um, APR, it's, it's basically an attempt to allow consumers to decide between different types of mortgages with varying rates and points and fees and ex- expressing the actual yearly cost of funds over the term of the loan. So it's required by us, the law requires that customers are shown this APR to give a clear understanding of the actual rates applicable to the loans. And that's not just mortgages. So now this is a noble cause and I understand why they do it and it makes sense. Uh, but I'm not show you that this is approach is a little flawed. So APR can be misleading and often points uh, to the wrong options for borrowers that can really kind of send them down the wrong path, depending uh, on, on the scenario. And I'll explain why. So APR assumes that borrowers will have the loan for the uh, entire duration. Therefore, uh, none of the payments um, 
no refinances or uh, no, excuse me, no prepayments, no refinances and no selling of the home for the entire life of the mortgage, which we know is just not true. Data shows that homeowners are actually spending less time holding on to their primary residence. In 2008, people were staying in their homes for 16 years. And then uh, 2014, it was about 12.9 years. And uh, uh, and now I would imagine, uh, actually as of 2018, it was 11 years, and now I can imagine it's even less. So the reality is people are just not keeping a home loan forever. It just doesn't work that way. And then APR also assumes inf uh, inflation will remain constant at zero. So there's no inflation to be had. Uh, as it, it, it And basically uh, that the current value of the money being worth more than dollars being paid back in 20 or 30 years later, um, which... I mean, if you were to purchase a home, I'm just going to talk about inflation, just like let's just isolate inflation itself. So if you purchased a home in 1980, all things aside, not like appreciation or anything, you'd have to pay $1.57 million today to have the same buying power per just the dollar itself. So it's really interesting. Inflation is a real thing and it affects uh, retirement planning too. But the worst of all is the way that APR treats interim interest. So interim interest is the interest paid from the time you close on a purchase or refinance and the date of your first payment. So we all know that temporary costs that gets washed by the next first month. So yet APR considers a lender fee. So your APR is getting washed away and yet it's still being concerned, it's still being kind of put there as a fee when it actually could be manipulated by the by the lender. Um, so for example, a lender who shows you your loan closing at the beginning of the month will have a higher APR than is a lender showing it at the end of the month due to the per diem interest and things associated with getting caught up on your loan. So even though the terms of the loan um, even though uh, the terms of the loan are identical. So that means as an uneducated person um, in this process, you can't just isolate APR and it just, that's what your decision is made off of. You know, people like me and Tina, we go through great length to look at each individual situation. And um, I don't even, I don't even really talk about APR because it is what it is at the end of the day. And uh, we look at our situations for a person. You want to look at your time horizon. We purposely do custom mortgage solutions for people because one solution for somebody may be different from the next. You may stay in the house longer. It may be shorter. So time horizon is extremely important. How long you're going to retain the mortgage and your intentions behind the mortgage. Are you looking to pay it off quicker? What are your plans? So there's a lot of details that go into planning your mortgage. It's not a one size fits all. And that's why it's extremely important to not get caught up with the APR hoopla, whatever you want to call it, and talk to a professional like me and Tina. Yeah, great advice. And yeah, the reason for the APR was ability for clients to shop from lenders. But like Keenan says, you really have to, what you're looking at is you're looking at rate, you're looking at the cost of the loan. And then most important, when you're refinancing, you're looking at your ending balance from your current mortgage versus your ending balance on different rate and cost structures over the life of the time you're going to keep the loan. So thanks, Keelan. All right. Headline retail sales fell 1.1%, which was worse than the 0.3% drop expected. Core retail sales in November fell. 0.5%, which was much lower than the 0.2% gain expected. Adding to the weakness, October was revised down by 0.2%, and as a result, expect a cut to Q4 GDP forecast. Should a stimulus deal be, get passed, we can likely expect these figures to improve in the coming months. The Mortgage Bankers Association released their mortgage application data from last week, showing that overall application volumes increased by 
1.1% from the previous week. Refinances were up 1% last week and are 105% higher year over year. Purchase volume was up 2% last week and is 27% higher than last year. The refinance share of mortgage activity increased from 72% to 72.7% of all loans. Now, interest rates decreased from 2.9% to 1.85%, which is the lowest in the MBA history, 30-year history, and 114 basis points, or 11 eighths lower than this time last year. The MBA rate is for last week and always includes a fraction of discount points. In this case, it's 0.33%. The NAHB housing market index fell four points in December to 86 after setting a record high in November. Current sales de decreased four points to 92. Sales expectations fell by four points to 85 and buyer traffic also declined four points to 73. A reading above 50 indicates expansion. While there was a pullback, this is still the second best number on record. Diane Olick did her best to shed some negativity, saying that this is a sign of a turnaround in housing, but we don't believe that this is true. These figures are still incredibly strong. The Housing Wire is talking about the strength of the housing market and repeated what we have been saying is a strong market. So demographics of the next several years in housing due to birth rates from 33 years ago, we will be we will see a big increase in the number of millennials coming into the market to purchase homes, which will increase demand. They did, however, confuse affordability like many do in the media. The article explains how 4.6% appreciation next year would be a negative for affordability. They don't understand that a 2% rise in incomes could more than support that due to the relatively relationship between income and mortgage payment. And we are seeing incomes rises at 4.9%. We see appreciation between five and 6% next year. So long as rates stay somewhat stable, which we think is a good chance that they will, affordability can actually improve at is at as it has since last year. Now, Ivy Zellman, who is one of the most respected housing analysts in the US, revised her 2021 forecast for home price appreciation. She now feels that we're gonna see a 6% appreciation nationwide, which makes us feel confident in our forecast of five to 6%. The city pande pandemic euphoria index rose to 21, year high at 1.61, up from 1.51 the previous week and 1.10, 1.10 the week before. Anything above 0.41 is considered euthoria. Now, this remains reminds us of an old story, how Joe Kennedy forecasted the stock market crash in uh, 1929. Kennedy said that he knew that the market would crash when he when he went to get his shoeshine, and the shoeshine boy was giving him stock tips. He thought that if everyone in the market, including the shoeshine boy, were, were in the market, where would the new money be coming from to push? the stock market higher. It seems everyone is feeling optimistic about stocks currently. And we bring this up because if stocks were to turn lower, 
It would likely help the bonds. This would be positive for mortgage interest rates. Now, the producer price index PPI for the month of November was released, showing that headline inflation increased by 0.1%, which was in line with market expectations. On a year-over-year -year basis, headline PPP increased from 0.5% to 0.8%, however, still remains very tame. Now, the core rate, which strips out food and energy prices, was also up at 0.1% for the month and increased from 1.1% to 1.4% year-over-year. The 1.4% on core was the highest level since January, when it was at 1.6%. While these numbers are still relatively low, they are significant year-over-year -year increases, and we could continue to see them move higher as demand outpaces supply for goods and services. Those higher producer costs could translate to higher consumer costs and inflation. That is your money chat for today. Coming up next in the money hour, are we living too short and dying too long? Susie Berger of Gather for Health right here in 1150 AM KKNW. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. You are listening to The Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Friday, December 18th virtual show because of COVID. Our show is temporarily moved virtually. You can also listen to our show on podcast or catch us on air Saturday at 3 p.m. with a rebroadcast on Sunday at 8 a.m. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. It is a great day to talk about money, and that's what the show is all about. How to make money save money so you can have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you are listening to our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. We are here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And now on our show, we have Susie Berger of Gather for Health. Are we living too short or dying too long? Right here at 1150 AM KKNW. Welcome, Susie. Thank you so much for joining our show. Thank you, Tina. I'm very excited. Yeah, first time here. We're very excited to have a conversation with you. And before we get started, a little bit about Susie. She is a certified in integrative nutrition health coach who works with her clients one-on-one -on -one to create more harmony, mindfulness, plus satisfaction in making healthier eating and lifestyle choices. She is a guide plus mentor who empowers her clients and provides ongoing support and guidance as they set goals and make sustainable changes that improve their health and happiness. 
Susie has a passion for reintroducing people to their bodies and helping them tune into what is their bot what their bodies are telling them that they need while sharing the numerous benefits of maintaining a healthy weight. She helps her clients create health-promoting boundaries while working remotely and guiding them to the realization that they have more control over their health outcome than they may think. Susie, let's jump right into what everybody's wondering. What is an integrative nutrition health coach? Well, Keelan, basically I'm a health and lifestyle coach, which means I look at the whole person and what's going on in their life to help inform where they are in their health journey. There's a lot that goes on in one part of our lives that directly affects another part, and usually that part is our health. So it's an integrative approach to health. People may come to me because they wanna lose weight, exercise more, find time to meditate. They're overwhelmed by a recent diagnosis of a doctor and they don't know where to begin to make positive changes, or they're simply frustrated because what they're currently doing isn't working. I enjoy helping them clarify the health-related changes they're seeking, and then we focus on slowing down, becoming more present, which means mindful, and when we're mindful, we're conscious and aware of what and how we're doing things. And when we're aware, we make better health and lifestyle choices. One of my clients told me, Susie, you teach people how to think better so they eat better. And that's really summed it up. I coach from an action-focused, health-promoting perspective. And I bring things to your awareness, help you sort them out. And together, we put a plan in place that works for where you are today. And I hold you accountable. Beautiful thing. Two beautiful words, mindfulness and holding you accountable. <laughs> Love that, Susie. So Susie, your topic for today discussion uh, title was, are we living too short plus dying too long? Can you explain what this means? Yes, this was a, a quote from a, a Libby Weaver, who is one of my favorite teachers. She's a nutritional biochemist. And I love this question that she poses because it's the quality of life that really matters the most. Let this question sink in for a minute. Are we living too short and dying too long? How is your quality of life? For the first time in American history, the older generation will outlive the younger generation and dying too long is the downhill trend we see in our quality of life due to poor diets and unhealthy habits. Western medicine is allowing us to live longer, but our quality of life is less due to the chronic degenerative illness we're all experiencing by not taking care of ourselves. For example, we don't wanna spend the second half of our lives not being able to bend over and tie our shoelaces because our spine is inflexible due to our sedentary lives. When we can't do the simple daily activities, we lose a level of independence and we don't stop to think about that during the first half of our lives, but we really need to. The choices we make today are not only going to impact how we feel and function today, but they're gonna impact how we feel and function in the future. The message from all of us who advocate good health is simple. The power to change all this is in our hands. It's up to us to make the necessary changes today to improve and maintain a quality of life for all of our tomorrows. I mean, that's so well said. People's mindset is kind of crazy when you get older and I mean, you, you use it or you lose it. And as coming from a, an athlete like myself and coming off in an injury, uh, I've realized that more than anybody, I think that unfortunately, uh, that's reality of the situation. You gotta continue to forever be young in your brain as well as your lifestyle if you can. And that's what I'm trying to push through. And I'm not even that old yet. I would say, I feel kind of old, but I'm, you know, <laughs> Anyways, not about me. Keelan, do not say that you're old. You're really going to upset all of us, except for probably not Peter. It's okay, a joke. Okay. We're a little um, bit old. I'll, I'll close my big mouth. But anyways, what is a success factor to be healthy and living a better quality of life? Because I could even use it myself, Susie. 
Okay, so basically, um, I've got two uh, points that I want to make here. So the first, it's your mindset, like we've talked about, not subscribing to the ailments everyone says um, that you should experience when you reach a certain age. For example, well, you know, it's all downhill after 50. That's ridiculous, I say. That's living too short and dying too long mentality. I work with people on reframing the way they look at the health situation that's challenging them. If the challenge is losing weight, we look at their relationship with food. If it's exercise, we look at their relationship with exercise. We can always reframe, reset, and redo. Those are my three R's. The second um, success factor to being healthy and living a better quality of life is maintaining your ideal weight. The benefits of maintaining a healthy weight are numerous and affect both physical and mental health. Maintaining a weight and BMI that fall in the normal range improves overall quality of life and decreases the risk of chronic health conditions associated with obesity, such as diabetes, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, osteoarthritis, respiratory problems, and depression. And the chances of your experiencing severe symptoms if you contract a virus are a lot less when your body is strong and healthy. Those are my two tips, Keelan. That is great. You know, I, I feel really good. I'm, I'm talking about my age a little bit older than Keelan, but I am over 50. And it's funny that you say that because I'm always asking myself now, I mean, you know, what happened to the fact when I, when I was younger, where I thought, oh my gosh, 50 is so old and I feel like I'm young. I, you know, so it is all in your mindset, mm -hmm. uh, Susie. And it's, it's so important that you have, cause I love what you said. Oh, it's all downhill from here when you get 50. And of course it's, it's crazy be downhill it's when you crazy. have that mindset. So uh, I love that. Well, Susie, I, I know that the work that you do is so amazing and uh, such a gift when you work and help your clients. So through your work, how do you support your clients in getting them to their ideal weight? Um, that's a good question. I'm not, you know, uh, anybody who works with me or knows me, I'm not a big fan of diets because they tend to be short-lived and they don't teach you what to do after the diet ends. So what I do like is a framework and tools to learn about healthy foods that will support you in getting to your ideal weight and making this a lifestyle. Specifically, which foods promote fat burning and which foods promote fat storage. The goal is to consume more fat burning foods versus fat storage while always listening to your body, what it's telling you, because our body is always telling, talking to us all day long. So one of my um, main goals as a health coach in 2021, as I've been sitting back these past couple of weeks, thinking what I want to focus on for next year is to help people get to their ideal weight. So I'm teaming up with a creator of a program called R3. R3 stands for reset, reintroduce and real life. And I'm inviting people to join us in a six week reset weight loss challenge. Reset for 2021 Weight Loss Challenge beginning January 11th uh, through February 22nd. So it's a great way to kick off 2021 and pri prioritize your health for the new year. As you all know, 2020 presented a lot of health challenges for people. Some became more sedentary, sedentary during the lockdown and put on extra weight, but many people actually had a positive experiences with the first lockdown. They said it woke them up to the importance of prioritizing their health and they made positive changes by eating healthier foods, moving more, losing weight, and making them stronger. So why not start off 2021 in a health promoting way by joining us and getting to your ideal weight? I love that, Susie. Thank you for that uh, for that shout out. And for, if you're listening to the show today, uh, definitely connect the group and the accountability piece of it. And what a great you know great time she said with uh, with COVID, everybody working from home, not getting as much exercise as we used to. Though, so yeah. Yes, yeah, Susie, you piqued my interest. So where can people, listeners, find out more about the reset for 2020 weight loss challenge? So that, uh, all the details are on my website, which is gatherforhealth.com. That's gather4health.com. 
you need to register by January 6th and the challenge starts on the 11th. And in addition to um, having access to the R3 program after you register as a health coach, I'm offering 30 minute weekly virtual uh, health coaching check-ins to keep people supported and accountable to their health and weight loss goals. So I'm offering these sessions at a very reduced price because I really want to get people healthy in 2021. And this challenge is a perfect way to start. So welcome everybody, come join us. Welcome everybody. You might just see Keelan and I in there as well. You can have your host to the money hour go through the uh, coaching with you. <laughs> all right, Cindy, so we all know that you need to have a healthy diet. What is a healthy diet to you? So to me, um, you know, the true meaning of the word diet was originally used as a noun, as in healthy food and drink in terms of a means to provide nourishment, sustenance, and energy. You put good energy in, you get good energy out. And it's really too bad because the word diet has gotten such a bad rap for the past several decades. It's moved from being a noun to a verb, as in I'm dieting, I'm on a diet, or I need to go on a diet. It has wrecked our relationship with food and eating, causing shame, judgment, disappointment, and it's one of the primary causes of our nation having the highest obesity and chronic illness rates. So I am a fan of a healthy diet, one that includes making healthy food and lifestyle choices, but I'm not a fan of dieting. <laughs> Susie, I hate to say this. Um, we're down to one minute already. That time flew by so fast, but I love your advice because it makes so much sense about lifestyle and moving forward with something that's going to last uh, for your future and health. Um, I want to, I want to leave with just how people can engage you. If you want to get involved with you, Susie, and your programs, um, how do people get in touch with you or what's the best way to, uh, engage you? Thank you, uh, Keelan. So first of all, um, all of my sessions are virtual. Um, they think they were virtual before COVID. So, uh, it actually has worked out really well, but we first would do a 50 minute complimentary consultation where I meet with you or my client uh, on my telehealth platform. So the client kind of gets a feel of how we work together virtually during the health coaching sessions. And I ask a lot of thought provoking questions to help the client clarify the health related changes they're seeking. If they enjoy the experience, we engage together in either meeting weekly for the reset for 2021 weight loss challenge, or if they'd like more in depth coaching, I offer a, a 12 session, 50 minute, uh, either bi-weekly or six months, over six months or weekly or three months. So. And then once we've clarified the goals, we'll meet via telehealth, where I provide a really safe space for the client to focus on themselves without any judgment. And we review progress, make tweaks, agree on homework, and celebrate the accomplishments. Susie, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for helping people get healthy when it's needed more than ever with everything that we're going through today. Thank you. It's been very pleasant. Thank you. Coming up next in the Money Hour, you are not your business, corporate law for small business owners, Peter Smith of Apex Law Group, right here on 1150 AM KKNW. So are you tired of the one size fits all approaches to dieting? Struggling to get your ideal weight? Feel overwhelmed, not making healthy choices and have a mind that's always racing? Well, Susie Berger for Gather for Health believes health is an inside job and it starts and ends with you. But you don't have to do it alone. As your health coach, she's here to support you along your health journey. Susie Berger with Gather for Health is passionate about guiding her clients to create health promoting boundaries and helping them realize they have more control over their health outcomes than they think. 
She coaches from an action-focused, health-promoting perspective and lovingly holds her clients accountable. This is Susie Berger with Gather for Health. To learn more about her practice and about her coaching style, visit her website at gatherforhealth.com. That's gather, the number four, health.com. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. You are listening to The Money Hour on 1150 AM KKNW, the Friday, December 18th virtual show. Because of COVID, our show is temporarily moved virtually. You can also listen to us on podcast or on air on Saturday at 3 p.m. with a rebroadcast on Sunday at 8 a.m. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you are hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. We are here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. And now in studio, we have Peter Smith of Apex Law Group. You are not your business, corporate law for small business owners right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Really happy to be here. Absolutely. And a little bit about Peter. Peter is the managing member of the Apex Law Group in Seattle, Washington, and adjunct professor at Seattle University School of Law and the University of Washington Law School teaching for the nonprofit law clinic. Peter's practice primary focuses primarily focuses on business and corporate law, whether for no- profit, nonprofit, or otherwise. When he's not practicing law, Peter's time is devoted to parenting his four children, which we learned on the show today. Two of those are actually twins. And Susie, one of our other guests, she has twins as well. And our engineer behind the scenes has twins. I had to shout that out there because it was uh, kind of exciting to hear that. So if he's not with his four children or on increasingly rare occasions, you can find him in the mountains, hiking, or skiing. Peter, you big stud you. you uh, I have one daughter, five, <laughs> yeah. about to be five, and then I have another one on the way. Um, so we're 19 months. It'll be halfway and uh, next week. And so between that and teaching and the law firm and everything, uh, high five to you, my friend. You are getting it in life right now, for oh, sure. Thank you, Keelan. Thank you. And congrats to you, mate. But I, I should say, so because my, you know, in case my kids are listening, they, they, they actually aren't twins close in age, but actually not. So uh, anyway, just in case they listen and hear that, that's, that is not the case. Irish correct information there. I'm sorry. Yeah, you get, no, it's okay. We're, we're, we're still good. <laughs> Anyways, um, corporate law, I know that's kind of generalized terms. So I'd be curious on what you actually do with, uh, at your law firm. Yes, good question. So, and, and before I dig too far into it, I, I am ethically bound to say that what I'm about to say is educational purposes only. It's not meant to be legal advice. And if there is anybody who, you know, writes calls or, or asks questions, I ask that they keep it 
hypothetical because I can't answer any specific questions about your specific um, situation, okay? Okay, so what is corporate law, business law? This is typically uh, starting with entities, what kind of entity your business operates out of an LLC, a corporation, things of that nature, uh, which I, I'm excited to tackle in today's uh, sort of interview. Um, but generally what we do is a lot of just keeping your business above the law, right? Making sure you're compliant with a lot of the different regulations that might apply to your business, employment law, um, making sure that all the different parts of your business and their relationships are um, well kept and like I said, above the law, right? Whether they're shareholders, board of directors, um, officers, managers, employees, all the different pieces that relate with the business internally. So Peter, can you explain a little bit uh, more about the difference in corporate law? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So uh, what I want to talk about mostly is that you are not your business. And I like to say this, especially now with the rise of the gig economy and so many solopreneurs and different people out there who are operating as a, um, you know, uh, in, in a solo capacity. And, and that's to say that you don't have to be your business. You can create a business entity, something that is not you, but actually a new person under the eyes of the law. And what you can do is run your business through that new person. And how cool is that? You can sort of separate yourself and give yourself a little bit of distance between what it is you do at your day job and you know, your own personal life. And this is really cool for a number of different reasons. But one of them is this. If your business fails, you don't fail. And that's really a cool, cool thing from corporate law, right? And it's, it's one of the ways that we've driven a lot of wealth in this country is that you can be entrepreneurial and get a lot of assets into the separate business entity. And it might fail, but you, your home, right, uh, your car, whatnot, that stuff's not going to be, those things aren't going to be attached to the liabilities of your business, okay? So long as you do it right and, and you follow sort of the corporate formalities that are necessary and you set it up. And I just want to make sure that your listeners know, even if you're a solopreneur, small business, whatever, you can take advantage of corporate law and actually fairly cheaply too. And, and you really should. Peter, that's so important nowadays because it's, you know, with technology, you got your TikTokers and your YouTubers and your, your you know, your Amazon businesses. People get this misconception that you have to have this big company before you can benefit from corporate law. And those protections reduce that risk for people, which pushes more people to have the courage to go out there and do something for themselves, which is scary in itself. So I commend you on, on what you're doing there. What else can you tell our listeners or uh, for those solopreneurs out there, uh, what they can benefit from as far as corporate law? concern? Yeah, great question. So um, what I like to tell people is that we're constantly under the jurisdiction of two separate jurisdictions. So thinking about, you know, your state where you live, and we're in Washington state right now where we're recording. So, you know, Washington, and then the federal government, right? Because uh, it's going to want to take its tax bite from whatever it is you're doing. And so if you keep those two jurisdictions in mind, it's really going to help you sort of do entity planning, business planning, things like that. And Keelan, here's why. If you're just your business, then all the money that's coming through your, you, you yourself, your business, that's all income tax, which is typically at a higher rate than a, than a corporate tax, right? Even if you're a solopreneur and you go and set up an LLC, 
you can have certain federal tax elections, we call this an S-corp election, um, and that you can make that can separate some of that income to be business income that's taxed at a much lower rate than your overall income tax. So there's a tax benefit to doing this, right? And that's the most immediate sort of, you know, money hour <laughs> benefit that I can, I can say you should look into. Um, but second, like I said, was the sort of the liability protection. And I kind of discussed that before, which is, you know, you separate yourself. And then if that business doesn't make it, or it has a liability, or heaven forbid, somebody gets hurt from what that business is doing, your personal assets are protected. Okay. And then the third thing is, um, and we've had some great guests talk about, you know, your own well-being and longevity and personal health and whatever. Well, the cool thing about a business entity is that it can live forever. It has perpetual existence, right? It's, it's sort of this demigod, if you will. I mean, it can't die. And so that gives you a great uh, vehicle for succession planning or doing things like holding property and, and other things that may have a really, really long life. But so you can use it as a vehicle to pass on your business, maybe in a sale, most likely, or to your kids or, or what have you. Yeah, such great information, uh, Peter. I have multiple businesses and one of them, my mortgage software company that I opened up 10 years ago, I had a pretty significant investment and brought an investor into the company. So can you share and talk about does adding partners or investors make a difference? Yeah, great question, Tina. And I just uh, want to just point out for our listeners too, Tina's been a complete professional rock star because she's been battling the sun while she's doing this, hasn't missed a beat. I just thought that would be, for those listening, worthwhile. Thanks, um, Peter. Yeah. So, so yeah. So if you have uh, investors or another partner, now business entity law becomes just about crucial because it's a really well-oiled way, well-recognized way to organize who's going to own what pieces of the business. You know, we all think of it as percentage-wise colloquially. Um, and uh, who's going to manage the business and then how to separate those things. Who gets to manage the day-to-day -day operations about what's going on on the ground. But an investor, you know, he or she may not know about technology or mortgages or whatever, and they're not going to want to interfere in the day-to-day. -day. They're not going to want to be signing checks and you know, going to the bank account and depositing things and doing that kind of stuff. So it can organize the labor and ownership and separate all of those things out into different buckets appropriately. Not only that, but be sure, sure, sure you talk to an attorney before you accept anybody's money into your business, because there's very specific rules and regulations about, we call it securities law, about the securities of the business, the actual equity and investments. And um, if you're not like registered on the New York Stock Exchange, which costs you know, exorbitant amounts of money to just get there. You're called a privately held company. And there's some very specific rules and regulations you got to follow too much for this, for this uh, podcast, but make sure you talk to an attorney before you accept anybody's money in, in that capacity. Did you hear that listeners talk to your attorney before you do anything crazy? You got to talk to the attorneys <laughs> and map it out first. All right. Um, and I was just, when you were talking about that, I was just thinking, I can't tell you how many of my buddies come up with this idea, this harebrained idea, and now they want to do a business together. What about family and friends? What kind of difference does that make as far as investors or, or even joining an entity or creating an entity together? Does that make any difference? It's a great question, Keelan. So, so um, let's talk about what happens if you don't form an entity and you get into that kind of business relationship. The law imposes a partnership on that business venture. So that's anything where people come together to do a thing, anything for money. We, we create a general partnership. And this is a really scary thing. And here's why. Remember how I said, if you don't have an entity, you're liable for what happens? Well, now you're liable for what your partners do as well. 100% 
joint and several liability, your house, your car, your best buddy, your drinking buddy, you know, he's got this harebrained idea, whatever, you throw money together, and he goes out and hurts somebody, harms somebody in this new business venture somehow, some way, you're also personally liable. Yikes. So that's why it's crucial, crucial, crucial to get a business entity in that way. And then the friends and family piece of it, you know, um, a lot of times my entrepreneurs like to think, oh, well, you know, my, my dad, my mom, my second uncle, my cousin, you know, they just threw me some money to help me get started. It's not really that big of a deal. Unfortunately, the law looks at that as um, still any old investor, right? And you got to follow those securities laws. And here's where it bites you. You might know your uncle, your cousin, your third cousin once removed, whatever, your friend. But then what, let's say they invest in this and then they die. Uh oh, their estate, somebody else who's hungry for that business, that money, they can show up and you're not necessarily friends with them. Maybe you're not ready to be business partners with them. And that can be real big trouble if you haven't papered things right and set it up right. Well, thank goodness you told me that, Peter, because the same ones that come to me with these harebrained ideas are the craziest friends I got. So I'm not going to be responsible for what they do. Let me tell you about it. That's good. Yeah. And I'm here to say, hey, if you got entrepreneurial ideas, go for it. Dive in, get with those crazy friends, make it happen, but protect yourself. Absolutely. So Peter, how does an entrepreneur choose a business entity type such as an LLC or a corporation? Great question. So typically I advise people to lean towards an LLC unless I see a good reason not to be an LLC. So if you think, man, I don't have money to go get an attorney and whatnot, an LLC can do just about anything and everything you want it to. Okay unless you want to be a, a nonprofit or tax exempt org, but that's different. So st- start there. Um, corporate entities sometimes are a lot more beneficial if you're going to take investment money. Why? Because the IRS rules and most investors, they know what they're going to get with a corporation. It's very rigid and regulated and pretty much the same thing, right? It's like going to McDonald's anywhere across the country. You know what you're going to get. An LLC can be a little bit more elegant and can be a little bit more uh, customized. It's like going to a family restaurant somewhere in the United States, right? You can really make it a really cool creature of contract. Um, and so if it's just going to be a small, a small thing, I would typically lean towards LLC. If you're going to have investors or you need to issue shares of stock or make something really, really, really big, think about uh, a corporation. Well, Peter, uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Just a wealth of information. And the Money Hour is about everything regarding your money so that you can have the best quality of life for you and your family. And that takes protection. And that's what an attorney is. So, Peter, really appreciate you being here. And again, the wealth of information that you shared with our listeners. Oh, man, you guys, thank you so much for having me. I love it. Love shows like this where people get to level up. Happy I could be a part of it. Wonderful. All right. Coming up next in the money hour, everyone wants to stay in their home and age in place, but maybe you should plan for the what if. Karen Anderson of Silver Age Housing and Care referrals right here on 1150 AM KKNW. If you or someone you love are looking for housing or in-home care, Silver Age can help. We provide a matchmaking service to help you find your best housing and care options. Our team of caring professionals has more than 30 years of combined experience in the senior housing industry. Since 2008, we've been serving families in King and South Snohomish and North Pierce counties. Our service is free because we are compensated by the housing or home care provider you choose. We pre-qualify housing and care providers. We provide education about the types of housing and care providers. 
We coordinate and accompany you on tours, in person or social media. We provide transportation if need be to the tour providers. And we follow up to ensure you are comfortable with your choice. For more information about Silver Age housing and care referrals, visit silveragecare.com. That's silveragecare.com. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and co-host, Keelan Harvey, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage experts, Tina Mitchell and Keelan Harvey. You are listening to The Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Friday, December 18th virtual show. Because of COVID, our show is temporarily moved virtually. You can listen to our show on podcast or catch us on air on Saturday at 3 p.m. with a rebroadcast on Sunday at 8 a.m. I am your host, Tina Mitchell. And I'm your co-host, Keelan Harvey. We bring into studio each week the best of the best experts in our local market when it comes to your money. We're here to help you build a strong financial blueprint. And now in studio, Karen Anderson, a Silver Age housing and care referrals. Everyone wants to stay in their home and age in place, but maybe you should plan for the what if right here at 1150 AM KKNW. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Likewise, and a little bit about Karen. Uh, Karen is a housing and care specialist and has been in the elder field since 2004. Before joining Silver Age, she was a family caregiver support specialist. Karen assisted unpaid caregivers in Snohomish County. In this role, she ran five support groups per month, helping caregivers navigate navigate through their scenarios, provided one-on-one consultation, and connected community resources. Karen's education includes a master's in marketing and a bachelor's in accounting. She also holds certificates in aging in place and powerful tools for caregivers. Personally, she is a caregiver for a family member who has transitioned through home care, adult family home, assisted living community, and memory care. Karen assists families with a deep understanding of their challenges, feelings, and scenarios. Wow, Karen, that's pretty powerful stuff there. You are a rock star in itself uh, as well. So um, I'd love to hear more about you and the organization and tell our listeners a little bit about how this all came to be. Yeah, so our owner founder uh, is Abby Doerr and she's been in the business over 10 years. And she started out working in an assisted living community and was helping a couple try to figure out what would be their next best scenario. But the assisted living community she worked in was not gonna be able to meet that couple's needs. So therefore she felt bad about letting them walk out the door without actually giving them any answers or hope. And she said, there's gotta be a better way to help these people so that they don't feel lost and also very confused. So she went ahead and started her own business and uh, we are all employees for her. There's five of us. We're a small boutique type business uh, uh, versus some that are quite big. So we are able to hold the hand of the individual throughout the entire process of looking for what might next be their best living scenario for them. 
I love how the company was inspired. Your work was inspired through your own personal experiences. Those make the very best companies. So Karen, why is having a plan for long-term care so important for people to pay attention to? I can't speak loud enough, vibration enough as to why it is so important to have. Because when you don't have a plan, you are no longer in control. You are giving the control over to somebody else, whether that is your children, adult children, or an advocate that you may find, or somebody that actually ends up being from your church or a stranger. And so if you don't plan, you are not, you're, you're giving up your options as well. You're not a part of the decision-making anymore. You're giving up your choices to somebody else that can actually make those choices for you. So what we recommend, instead of staying in your home being your only option that you're willing to talk about, let's talk about plan A, and that might be staying in your home. Let's talk about plan B. What if you are no longer able to stay in your home? And maybe that is because you're no longer safe because of fraudulent activity from the outside world, or you're no longer safe because you're not able to take care of yourself anymore. And then there's plan C. Maybe you actually end up moving in with somebody. But we're not, when you call us for help, we're not saying you absolutely have to move somewhere today. What we like to do is educate people about what the options are, help them learn about this new world that nobody understands. There's, there's language that is thrown about that people don't understand. And we love holding people's hand throughout that entire process. Uh, so true. I mean, whether we're talking about our first guest, Susie, health, you need to plan. We're talking with our second guest, Peter, and planning for your business. Uh, no difference in uh, uh, your line of work as well, but planning is so critically important. Yeah, Karen, I'm very passionate about this as well. I was a financial advisor and provided long-term care and retirement planning, and I've had three grandparents that have gone through long-term care, and the differences in the care they got really made me think about like my situation and my family and how important it is. It's so expensive. It can just wipe out your entire retirement savings or whatever you had that you wanted to leave for others. So, I mean, the point is, it, if you don't do anything now, then your options are getting limited by the day because it doesn't get cheaper as you get older. Uh, so, the main thing is to don't bury your hand head in the sand and and talk to Karen and figure out what this looks like and how you can prepare for it and with that being said what happens in your opinion if they don't pay any attention uh, to it now or they bury their head like I was saying well again uh, one of the things that we advocate for people to do if they're even remotely wanting to be sniffing around in this world is to get your power of attorney going and also talk to a financial advisor and find out where you are with your finances. And if you don't do that as well, you are, you're blind to what is available to you. you. You don't understand exactly what an adult family home looks like. We can actually just go out for an afternoon and play and go look at an assisted living and maybe get a little bite to eat for lunch and go play at an adult family home and, and just get familiar with what is going on so that it's not so formal. The, the yeah. way that assisted living places look today are so different than they used to before. And people just have, unfortunately, this paradigm of what it was like before with people in the hallways and wheelchairs and just slumped over. It's no longer like that anymore. Yeah. It's actually all about vibrancy and people meeting with other people and having activities and having joy and being vibrant again. 
well, it sounds much better to go out and play and have some lunch than to go out stressed out, have no time for lunch because you need to get into a home right now. That's what no preparation does. Karen, what is your favorite story or a result that you can share today? It's actually a personal story, as you had mentioned earlier. Uh, my mother and father-in-law lived in their home and my father-in-law was 89 years old and he, by God, was never going to leave the house. If they were going to take him out, it was in a brown box. And so unfortunately, his caregiver, my mother-in-law, actually her health failed and he had full dementia. So talk about scary scenario. Her health failed. She was in the hospital and we had to figure out what was going to be their next lifestyle after she got out of the hospital. And we had to allow her to heal for six months. Well, through that process, we recognized they were no longer to be able to stay in the home. And my husband had to go tell him that they were no longer going to be, he, she was no longer going to stay in the home. And he said, well, by God, I'm going to stay. And he said, fine, that's your choice. Well, he left the, the room and came and spoke with us. And of course, we're all bawling our eyes out because it's such a delicate situation. And next thing we know, he's coming with the walker into where we're at. And he said, well, do you think they have room for me? And we all cried again. <laughs> so it was just a very, very beautiful moment, but at the same time, very, very hard to have those conversations. You know, Karen, that reminds me of my grandpa. I think the saddest time was when my grandma passed and he was at home by himself. And then he went to this uh, long-term care facility. They partied. Like he was out. He had friends. They were eating social events. Like, and it like kind of turned a leaf for him, which I thought was just an incredible thing. I think he even had a girlfriend at one point, which was kind of crazy. So it, it's pretty cool to see that and what you do. It's so amazing. Uh, what's your favorite result that you've seen? Well, like you just were saying that people are much more happier there are even some communities that offer with your rent per month, a glass of wine or a beer with meal, every dinner meal every day. And so they just become much more friends. Uh, they're, all the stresses are gone. Normally by that point, if they're not able to take care of their finances, the children are starting to take care of that or who, however they have arrangement. And it's just a much, much more um, vibrant way to live. And if it's an adult family home, those adult family homes are much more uh, pleasant to be in than what people think. There's six residents per home maximum for the state law. And those people end up being like family members, even the caregivers and the private owners. They say that they treat them like family. So Karen, let's talk about compensation and how you are compensated in your line of work. Right. So that that is a very important for uh, situation for people to realize is that we um, are not paid by the people that reach out to us for help. We are paid by the assisted living place or the community or the adult family home. We are like a marketing arm for them. Some people go to them direct, but again, you don't know when you're going to them. If, for instance, they will accept a pet. We know that. If you're able to smoke in the house, we know that. If there's a certain language that needs to be taught, talked in the home or the community. We know that. You can get some information from the DSHS website, but you can't get it all like the knit and gritty stuff that we know. 
Unfortunately, uh, believe it or not, Karen, our time is almost over. But before we do end our time here, I wanted to uh, ask you one other question as far as a nugget that you can leave um, that no one else would think about maybe when they're in their 60s or getting kind of planning for that step that seems so far away but can happen so quickly. What would you leave for our listeners? One of the things that has come up for us is there was actually a homeowner who had a pet that was over the weight of 25. And uh, that is a no, no go for a lot of communities and a lot adult family homes. So you actually have to think in advance if you wanna keep that pet for when you're going into an adult family home or assisted living, it has to be under 25 pounds and only one, you can't have multiples. Yeah, and that is a great tip. My uh, husband's mom, we put her in adult family home and we actually had to, we had to adopt her uh, adopt our dog out. We couldn't couldn't take it in. So yeah, there's a lot of preparation. Karen, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, it was a pleasure to uh, to interview you today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it and happy to share the information. Yeah, and what a great great group. Uh, a shout out and thank you to all of you for being here. Uh, this is your host Tina Mitchell and your co-host Keelan Harvey. And we are your local mortgage experts signing off for the day. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. We look forward to talking more money with you next week right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, and Keelan Harvey, MLO 1330075, are licensed loan originators with Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, NMLS 134871. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Highlands Residential Mortgage Limited.